I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. Hello. Hey. How are you? Good. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Beginning of the week. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a nice week this week. Why you say that? Because it's going to be warm. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's going to be, because we, we had, I think, one day of decent temperature. Oh yeah, we had 70s. But this week coming up, there's going to be like three or four days. Oh, well, that's yeah, good news. It's going to be mid to high 60s here. Well, you know what my new goal is, just so you know. What? I want to be in a blizzard. I don't want to, oh I don't want to be in you it like Patrick outside, oh but I want to be inside. So, and then you're in a blizzard, you can't leave. Right. So you're just stuck in the house and you have excuse, no excuse to not do. You're just doing nothing. I don't know that you know you clearly. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I hate cold weather. Right. But I mean, being stuck in a house with Nothing to do. With who else? Your kids? Oh, yeah, no. Fam- like, what? You want to be alone? Because you don't like to be alone. That's fair. You So, so exp- I don't know, maybe we shouldn't dive into this. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> week on Status Macabre, <laughs> we take a look at the inside of Chrissy's brain. But now... Um, no, I just think it would be great to have no excuse. I mean, so an excuse you are to forcibly do nothing. Yeah. You have to stay inside. Yeah, you don't have you to. You physically do. can't go anywhere. Yeah. And all I have are, is like a couple of bottles of wine, some crackers, some cheese, and the television. I mean, what could, I can think of worse things, Gary. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying. <laughs> so, and if, who would you like, would there be people with you or would you be alone? Um, I mean, I'm good with being alone at this point. Like I'm okay. just, you know, I'm just chilling. This is growth. I mean, <laughs> Ryan can definitely be there, but I mean, he's probably going to watch TV too. And so it's just. No, that's what I'm thinking. Like, um, if, if someone knows where there's a blizzard coming, please let me know. I'm going to fly think, there. I think you could like, couldn't you just like fly to Boston and work remote and then eventually they're going to have something. I mean, it, possibly. Because they just had a. I know. Well, and I, I was have, jealous. I have a friend that, um, I mean. Not so much now, but I worked with him at Blue Cross and Blue Shield. I think he's up in, gosh, uh, what's the furthest northeastern state? Is it Maine? Maine. Yeah, he's up somewhere on the tip up there. Oh, yeah, And yeah, so yeah. whatever that nor'eastern or oh, yeah. is that just came through, like it, it knocked their socks off. Yeah, Kim, Kim was stuck in the house for one day only, though. And then the roads were cleared, and then she went to yoga. So three days minimum. Yeah, I'm thinking three days minimum. Yeah. 72 hours. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, if you know of a, you know, impending blizzard, please reach out to us. Write us and let us know. I will definitely come there to do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this week, um, we're going to finish up Ed Kemper. I mean, Ed Gein. (laughs) Damn it. We got too many Eds. I know. There's way too many Because I think we did an Ed. Anyway, there's too many Eds. Yep. So... Um, Ed Gein, Ed Kimber. Yeah, and and we left off where Ed Gein is. He's just killed, um, you know, Mary. So, um, and 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 really, no one knows that he's killed her yet. They're they're the cops are trying to figure out who the hell killed Mary, where she went. Um, we Mary know was that the bar, the yeah, bartender, she was the owner or worked at the tavern anyway. The tavern. Okay, um, that's right. we know that he had shrunken heads in his house. Um, teenage kids were in and out, had broken in, um, and swore that they saw a collection of, of some shrunken heads. Um, his mother has died. His brother has died. His dad has been dead. So Ed is all by himself in this giant farmhouse. That's right, because wasn't there an investigation 
into his brother's death? Yes. Yes. Remember, they, they don't know how he died, but, but Gein is saying that he must have inhaled a bunch of smoke um, from, That's right. from the field fire and right. hit his head on a rock. But there were no rocks, so I... People were stupid in Googling. the 50s, I guess. 50s all the way through the 70s, apparently. <laughs> it was just a stupid time frame, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, right now, it is mid-November 1957. And Ed was about the only male in town as the middle weeks um, in Wisconsin were reserved for hunting season. So, any... All the males were gone, um, besides maybe Ed. Um, and we all know that Ed did not like to hunt, um, and nor did he like the sight of blood. So here he is a loner in town, and on this particular morning, Ed decides he needs some antifreeze and brought along a jug for the purposes of getting it filled up. Well, um, I guess it was cold, and maybe that's why he needed the antifreeze. I, I'm not real sure. But um, he decides he's going to Wardens. And Wardens was the local mass general in Plainfield. It was owned by Leon Warden um, and, and his widow, um, Be- or, I'm sorry, Bernice. And they had everything from farming equipment uh, to household appliances to firearms. And Frank Warden um, was Bernice's son, who usually helped out at the store. Frank doubled as the town's deputy sheriff as well, um, at, and the fire warden. And so he was a busy young chap, um, and, and he obviously was helping his mom. So, And on this particular day, he was out hunting, um, just like the rest of Plainfield's male population. So when Ed entered the store, Bernice was the only one there. Well, Bernice, who didn't generally mind little old Ed, um, right. was more than annoyed to see him. Um, and it seems that he had been hanging around like a barfly lately and was becoming a bit of a nuisance by badgering Bernice um, to go with him to the movies or the roller li- roller rink. Now, I I mean, I think they're probably in their 40s. I don't, I mean, I love ice skating and roller skating, but I'm not going to go on a date there. <laughs> I, don't, I can't see. I, I would do it. I would do it. I but recently I went ice skating, but that, I mean, I took the kids, right? Right. So. I would, I would do it, but I wouldn't want to do it like on Friday night or Saturday night when all the cool kids are there. Oh yeah. I would want to not do a it. cool kid. No. I want to do it like it, you know, in the middle of the Sunday day at one <laughs> when, when all the old people, all are when, when all the kids aren't going to be, you know, fair. laughing and Oh, pointing because I'm going to fall and break something. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair because they are there. And there's going to be a lot of room. There, I, yeah, I don't have to worry to about some freaking brats running into me because yes. they're, you know, too cool. Well, and I'm just cool. like literally pulling myself along with the rail on the side of the I was street. You need one of those little walkers. I hadn't skated in a long time, thing. probably 10 years. Well, Eddie wanted to go skating and Bernice was like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, did. She was less interested, less than interested and started to get creeped out by his lopsided grin. Um, she also <laughs> thought he was a bit of an idiot. And I and I say idiot in the terms of like intellig- intelligence. Like she thought he was not. stupid. Yeah, that he was just didn't have he all He wasn't the, very smart. Yeah, he didn't have all his cards in the deck. But um. And one has to wonder if he didn't try to play dumb on purpose um, because he was not dumb. Um, He made it all the way through school and was not stupid by any means. Uh, Nevertheless, people around town thought he was very simple-minded. But he was also quiet and he didn't talk a lot. Um, And he was really, remember, he was really short. He was was a tiny little guy. Yeah, because I was doing Joe Arity. Yep. And and I think they were right around like 5'4", 5'3". Little little men. Little tiny men. Little baby boys. <laughs> yeah, little baby boys. So today, though, when Ed came into the store, he simply wanted a half gallon of antifreeze, um, to which Bernice pumped for him. She then wrote him a receipt for 99 cents. Ed thanked her and left. But I think within, that's a lot for, an, for a half gallon of antifreeze in the 50s, I'm just saying. You think? Absolutely. 99 cents? I don't know. Maybe they were low. they were paying... 99 cent. I mean, you could buy a loaf of bread for like a nickel back then. Oh, that's fair. Well, antifreeze was expensive, I guess. Hell, I know. But within a few minutes later, he was back after having putting, you know, the half gallon jug in his trunk. Um, and he's been thinking of trading in his rifle for a new one. Oh, God. 
So he comes back in with his rifle and Ed points out the rifle he wants to take a look at. And Bernice, probably annoyed she has to deal with him, sighs, turns around and grabs it off the shelf and hands it to Ed. As he inspects the weapon, Bernice turns to look out the window towards the street. What she doesn't see is that Ed is searching in his pocket for a 22 caliber bullet that he can slide into the chamber. Um, Bernice can't see that Ed has raised the butt of the rifle and is pointing it directly at the back of her head. She wouldn't have heard the cock of the gun and blasted the bullet as it hit the back of her head and, you know, she took her last breath. So she wouldn't have probably felt any of that. But I can imagine that. I can completely understand why she didn't particularly care for him and see he was a, say a he was a nuisance and a yeah. creep. But imagine how does one act before they're going to kill somebody? Like, he's probably, I can't imagine like he was probably just weird. I know. Well, that's in and out of the store. I need some antifreeze <laughs> for what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and all of a sudden now you want to trade your gun in. It just yeah, it just seems kind of weird. But Bullshit. so it's around about five p.m. that afternoon, and Frank Bernice's son comes back around to the store to check in with his mother. He hadn't had any luck in the woods and was tired. And when he reached the store, his spidey senses started tingling. Uh, he found it odd that his mother was nowhere to be found, and the store was all locked up. She had said that she was keeping the place open till six, so it didn't make sense to him that she had locked all the doors and closed shop. So Frank goes home to grab his set of store keys and goes back up to the store. So immediately upon his entrance, he knows something bad went down. First off, the register is missing, and then on the floor there were splatters of what looked like a brown substance that Frank recognized as blood. He also noticed drag marks to where... It, it looked like a body, his mother's body, um, had been dragged through the blood leading to the back door. So he's following them. He opens the door to the backyard and saw that the store truck was missing. So Frank, being a trained deputy, uh, tried to remain calm. He knew it wasn't looking good for his mother, um, wherever she may be. And so he calls Sheriff Art Shelley at his office in Watoma, which was about 15 miles away. And after listening to Frank's description of the scene and the mysterious circumstances surrounding his mother's disappearance, Shelley tells Frank not to move. He's on his way to assess the situation for himself. So Arnie Fritz, um, who was the chief deputy, joined Frank and Shelley at the scene and began looking around. And Frank was already, he's a deputy too, right? Right, exactly. So, Warden insists that he knows exactly who did this to his mother and holds up a sales receipt. And it's that same sales receipt that Bernice wrote to oh, Ed. That's right. They wrote everything down then, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, the 99 cents. Yep. Um, and it, it wasn't just the sales receipt that convinced Frank that Ed had had a hand in his mother's disappearance. He knew that Ed had been hanging around the store pestering his mother to go out with him. And just yesterday, he was asking if Frank was going to be out hunting today, which was kind of an odd question. Um, and Frank, not thinking much of it, soon became very keenly aware that Ed had likely been planning to ensure his, you know, plan of attack on his mother would go smoothly. So both Fritz and Shelley agreed that Gein was a viable suspect and should be located ASAP. But before leaving, they thought it might be wise to have some backup. So they started calling local jurisdictions to help. Pretty soon, police as far as Madison County were crawling all over the town of Plainfield, taking in the crime scene at Warden's Hardware Store. The sleepy little town of Plainville had never seen anything like it. Probably um, ruining all the evidence. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, what's that? Let me pick that up. Let me step over here and get some you know, dandruff from my head yep. on the crime scene. Yeah. So Gein, unaware of what was going on, was having dinner with the Hill family. He had graciously helped them start their car and was likely stuffing his face when one of the family members rushed into the kitchen telling everyone about the chaos. Ed had very little reaction, only saying, quote, pretty cold-hearted to drag Bernice away, end quote. 
He then agreed to drive Bob Hill, the family patriarch, into town to see what was going on. So he's just sitting in his car just about to leave the Hill residence when deputies Dan Chase and Poke Speed. Why do they have these crazy ass names? I don't know. I uh, Poke was an interesting name, but it was the 50s, so I don't know. Maybe, again, it was a dumb time frame, I guess. I don't know. Stupid 50s. Stupid, <laughs> stupid 50s. So Ed had no objection when officers came or asked, you know, that he come with them to their squad car. He was willing um, and answered their questions about his whereabouts for the day, but then tripped himself up by insisting he had nothing to do with Bernice's death. Well, no one had said anything about Bernice being dead. So that kind of clued cops into thinking, hey, well, that's an interesting data point. We have um, our suspect. Yeah. So, of course, like any good detective, Poke and Chase both caught the slip and asked how in the hell he knew she was dead. Well, Ed's caught in a lie. He's stammering that he, you know, he had heard it from somebody. When asked who he had heard it from, Ed didn't elaborate. He said, quote, I must have heard them talking about it, end quote. Of course, whoever them is, nobody, he never confesses to, you know, oh, yeah, no, it was Bob or Jane or Tom. He just skips right over it. Well, Chase then informed Ed that he was the main suspect in the robbery at Warden's and then phoned the chief to let him know that they had Ed Gein in custody. So Sheriff Shelley was new um, to the scene and was about to embark on one of the most frightening cases in American history. Of course, he didn't know this and thought that everything so far was going great. They had already had a suspect in custody um, for robbery, obviously, but the blood splatters on the floor made Shelley think that there was, you know, a much more sinister reason for the entire crime. So robbery just wasn't sitting right with him. So the next step, obvious to him, was you know, to find Bernice. So deputies descended onto Ed's farmhouse. By moonlight, the Gein farmhouse looked sinister, definitely spookier than it did, you know, in the daylight. Even the police o- police officers were likely feeling chills as they walked up to the porch. Checking the doors and the windows that were tightly shut, they finally find a way in through the summer kitchen door. Now, the summer kitchen is where they would essentially kill and hang the deers and oh yeah you know gut them and do whatever the hell it is dress them you know whatever that is i never understood that why you call them dressing when you're stripping skin and taking their entrails out how is that dressing i don't know i'm just curious i don't know i'm not a hunter so i have no idea but um that's just what we've always called it i know but it just doesn't make sense to me gutting okay but dressing doesn't make sense but anyway so inside, and I'm just going to warn you guys, this, I, it gave me chills listening to the state of his house. I wanted to go with a bucket and some 409 and just like, clean it. go clean the shit out of it. So inside the floor was littered with cartons, tin cans, uh, moldering feed bags, and other gar- garbage. Um, there were cobwebs that hung from the ceilings. There were roaches racing around on the counter. And you could hear the scuttling of rodents from somewhere else in the room. Um, on top of the garbage, there was sickening stench of damp filth. And garbage was just almost overwhelming. It was everywhere. It makes me wonder if his mother lived like that when she was alive. No. Or he just let things go. Yeah, no. So just keep that thought there so put a pin in it put a pin in it and the doorway of the main part of the house proved to be just as disgusting as the summer kitchen there was chaos and fill throughout junk littered the floor and the smell was even worse than in the summer kitchen it was a distinct smell of human waste and something else like coppery like the smell of butchered meat yeah bloody yeah so as Shelley went further into the house he backed up against the uh, uh decapitated, sorry, a decapitated and gutted carcass suspended by its legs from the ceiling. At first he thought it was a deer, but once his brain registered on what it was, he hauls ass outside before dropping to his knees, vomiting everywhere and everything he had eaten that day. Because what he had found was Bernice Warden. 
she had been strung up by her legs and like yeah no head and yeah just like you were dressing (laughs) dressing a deer so she had been suspended from a crude wooden crossbar fixed to the ceiling a sharpened stake had been inserted through the ankle tendon of one of like one of her legs to facilitate this while the other leg was tied to the crossbar with a rope her arms were held up against her body by another length of rope that ran from her wrists to the crossbar and then there was a pulley system that had been used to hoist the body of the 58-year-old grandmother into an uh, undignified position. So, yeah, she was kind of all spread out there. Yeah. So none of the of the officers could believe that this little soft-spoken bachelor with a lopsided grin who babysat many of their children could ever be responsible for this monstrous act. Further investigation of the house proved to provide more horrors, though. Besides the fact that the house was filthy, and it was obvious that Ed used his living quarters as his personal landfill, Gein had macabre collections throughout, combing through the scattered newspapers, filthy rags, magazines, rodent droppings. There was not. I don't know. Like I cannot. I don't. I don't, I've never been in a situation like that. I've never been in any, I mean, I've been in some houses where I was like, oh man, but nothing like that. I can only imagine when I don't take the trash out. Oh, I know. Oh, or in the, or if you like lazy and you're like, I don't want to put the dishes in the dishwasher. So I'm just going to leave them in the sink after a couple of days. It stinks. It's nasty. I mean, I know you come over to my house before and I'm like, don't you smell that? You're like, no, No. I don't smell it. But could you, it's in your head because you're like, it's. (laughs) Dirty. I know. I know. But if there was legit rat shit, <laughs> no, so I don't. Weird. I don't. Well, have you ever seen the? And I'm like sidetracking, but um, hoarders. I've like glimpses. I've not watched oh. the whole episode, but I've seen the previews where, dude, the, like people. There's mountains and mountains of garbage. It is disgusting, and I don't understand how anyone is able to live in that and function it is and and that's literally what it was here and i'm not going to say it was hoarding per se but he just was a it was a whole lot of trash going on gross dude right yeah so they found a maxwell house coffee can containing lumps of chewed gum um they find a collection of cracked and yellowed dentures a wash bin, which Gein had for some reason filled with sand and placed in the middle of the floor. Um, all of these things were strange, right? But nothing compared to the rest of Ed's bizarre collection. One of the officers picks up a crudely shaped soup bowl, still containing the congealed remnants of Ed's last meal, then quickly put it down after he realized it was actually a human skull. There were other skulls, too, including some that Ed had hung from his post of his bed as decorations. So, I mean, clearly he wasn't using Pinterest um, because I don't know (laughs) that there were any, I don't know, skull decorations on your bed. I I don't know. Maybe there is a board for that. I'm not real sure. But, yeah. I mean, I like I have a cousin who loves like I think it's it's Halloween is decorated in her house year round. Yeah, macabre, like the macabre stuff. She's got. But it's fake. <laughs> like yeah. She, well, let's hope it's not real. She does, and I can see that you know she really does. She's into that goth type yeah. of, um, I don't know what you call it, right? decor. Decor. Yeah. Yeah. And it suits her and looks good. You know the things that she posts, but I, it's not this. Well, no. And she's I, not I eating just, cereal out of a skull, I, is she? I mean, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. But I can't imagine like using real bones for I know. tools i don't know dinnerware well what do you think the cavemen people do they want cinnamon toast crunch well, they didn't have <laughs> they gotta put it somewhere <laughs> there's only thing the only thing i can think to hold it would be okay fair but then larry's they use, brain they use the they use the whatever they got from the animals that they killed right i guess Hell i mean I, know. I don't know hopefully they didn't kill like their kids or i don't know that's the, what i'm saying the larry's head <laughs> what are we gonna <laughs> use this for oh god we'll put a candle in it I, I got nothing. 
But they were there were just a lot of skulls in the kitchen. An officer found a kitchen chair with a very odd colored strips of leather forming the seat. So he's looking at it. Oh, this is a cool-looking chair. Well, it soon discovered that the strips of leather were actually strips of human skin. The underside was actually still lumpy with chunks of fat that had not been cut off, you know, of, oh, yeah. I guess, epidermis, like the bottom layer. So, and then Ed found three, or I'm sorry, officers found three more chairs that Ed had made just like that in the house. So many bodies you need to make a chair? I do Like, I mean, if they're big people, then... Maybe just one. I don't know. And like, like where her, did like, the skin come from? Was it belly fat? Was it butt fat? Leg fat? It's like, got to be back, right? Back and stomach. Oh, yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Where I would imagine where you can get the largest well, pieces. I'm, I'm thinking if I want a really soft leather, I'm going to pull it from my ass. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, I don't know. But um, there were other other artifacts made with skin um, in the house as well. Uh, A trash can, a lampshade. I mean, he's definitely, um, I mean, how do you? Creative? Yeah, how do you do that? (laughs) Again, use your powers for good people. Well, maybe he's trying to start like an upholstery business. I don't know. (laughs) A drum, you snorted. A drum. Um. The sheath of a hunting knife. Um, That's cool. This, and my favorite, um, there's actually two uh, favorites here. A belt, a belt made from nipples. And I will post this picture. But yeah, there are nipples. I think I saw that, yeah. And I mean, Ooh. if it wasn't, yeah, if it wasn't gross, I'd be like, damn, that's... Because you would use the nipple as, I guess, the thing to poke through the hole as the donut in place. I'm just guessing, right? Um, he also made a shade pull um, made out of a pair of lips, which I, I'm i trying to picture that in my brain, but it, it, it's not coming to me. I don't know what, it, like, are we talking a shade pull, like on the blinds, the cord? I'm not. I'm not That's the only thing I can yeah. think of. So, yeah, but those were made out of lips. So, and yet yeah, these still weren't worst of the items. Um, the worst was that skin suit Ed liked to romp around in. Um, it was indeed made strictly out of human skin, um, consisting of a pair of leggings and a top piece that included a woman's sagging breasts. It appeared that Ed had skinned the victim, tanned the skin, and then sewed the pieces together. Imagine what Ed looked like with it on wandering around his yard at night. It gives me the damn chills. Yeah. It's creepy. Yet, that wasn't the last of what officers found. In a box, they found a collection of female genitalia, nine vulvas in all, some dried and shriveled up, even with the amount of salt that Ed had sprinkled on them to keep them fresh. They were still kind of, you know, shriveled up. I can't imagine a vulva, I mean, without blood pumping to it, it's going to shrivel, right? All will shrivel. I'm just saying. I just spit. <laughs> yeah, you I, did. I spit. That was a far one, too. Did I get your what? your MacBook wet? Um, anyway. Um, then there was a box of human noses. And apparently the pride of Ed's collection, his death masks. Officers surmised that these were the shrunken heads that the teenage boys swore that they had seen. It looked like Ed had carefully peeled the skin from his victim's skulls and used um, a stuffing of paper and sawdust to give them shape. So several of the masks were displayed on the wall as decorations. The others were stored inside plastic bags. And one of them looked extremely familiar. It was Mary Hogan. So now they had confirmation that Ed had killed Mary Hogan um, and made her face a death mask. Um, The last area in the house left to search appeared to be sealed off with planks of wood nailed across the doorway. So unsure of what it might be, officers carefully pry their way in. What they find is what looks like a shrine. And it was Augusta Gein's bedroom covered in dust, but otherwise spotless. So to answer your question, Carrie, the house was likely you know, always clean. 
Um, but Ed, you know, didn't keep up the cleanliness, obviously, but he did keep his mother's room exactly the way it had been, um, on the day she died and it was clean. I guess when you're skinning people and making chairs and skull cap bowls. Who's got time to Swiffer? You don't have time. So, um, so at this point, the police are thinking that they have got, you know, there's got to be more than the two victims out there, given the number of body parts that were located on the property. And they plan to get that information out of Gein if it was the last thing they did. So after Ed's arrest, they transported him to the county jailhouse in Watoma, um, where he was questioned by a polygraph specialist from the state crime lab. So little man Gein um, was there for 12 hours, and he stayed stoic and remained silent until he just couldn't take it anymore and started talking. He admitted to killing Bernice Warden, um, although he claimed that it had been a horrible, you know, a horrible accident. But <laughs> yeah, now, it was. <laughs> right. So, see, he had been trying to um, buy this Marlin rifle. It was, I guess, some style of, of or name brand of rifle um, to see if it would accommodate the 22 um, caliber ammo he had had. And it just happened to have that in his pocket, which I find, you know. It's bullshit. Exactly. Um, and when the at, the weapon accidentally discharged, it ended up hitting Bernice in the back of the head. So, unfortunately for the police, Ed couldn't remember everything that had happened because it had been, he just was so dazed by the whole right situation. But he did say he thought he remembered dragging her rather large body outside, loading it into the store truck and driving it a short distance to hide and then he returned to get his own car. So he did seem to remember that. It's foggy, but I, I sort of remember that. I can recall loading a bullet into a gun and it misfiring and blowing someone's, you know. Brain out. And But I, I can't recall dragging her ass to the truck. No. Or whatever. Or no, or using the police system to, yeah. Yeah. Hang her up like hang a Hang her up, yeah. Don't remember that. But from there, Ed's transferred, um, excuse me, from there, Ed transferred Bernice's body to his car, and then they went back to the farmhouse. And then at the farmhouse, Ed began chopping up the body, um, but had been interrupted by Bob Hill, who was the guy who had asked him to come help get the family car started. And then he had dinner. And then he had dinner, exactly. So he was like, oh, I'm going to leave this to the side. Let me go eat some roast beef, and I'll be right back. So no one believed the accident excuse, obviously. Um, Had it been an accident, why didn't he call the police? Um, Why had he chosen to take the body and string it upside down and cut off her head? Um, Of course, when asked, Ed's reply was always that he just, he couldn't remember. I don't know. Because it was hazy. I don't, I don't. It's all hazy. It's so weird. I don't know. You might as well just plead the fifth at that point. Exactly. I ain't answering your question. Yeah. Well, I think Ed, I mean... He was smart, but I he wasn't Kemper smart, right? I don't know that he had IQ that was that well, high. You know, when I've seen, anyway, all of the people that I've researched, mm-hmm. they may be very, very smart, yeah, but their sickness, their mental issues, I mean, they, it's, you know, as time goes on, they make more and more mistakes. mistakes. They just, I don't know, they don't care or it's probably I wonder if the urge just causes them to not be careful now. yeah yeah I've got to it's got to do it now now yeah. now now I don't yeah. have time to plan that makes sense that makes sense so um Ed wasn't giving up any more information on why um you know he killed Bernice so they started questioning him about Mary Hogan and the various body parts found at the farm Surprisingly, Ed confessed to killing Mary, but provided an almost identical story to that of what happened to Bernice. It was an accident. According to Ed, he was the only one at the tavern having a beer when his rifle accidentally discharged and hit Mary in the head. It was like a miracle. I know. It's so weird. It happened twice. (laughs) Since Ed was the only person in the tavern, he was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to haul the body away. And uh, I'll cover up what happened. Obviously, a very unlikely story for Ed, but to him, that was that was the truth, so he said. Now, regarding the other bodies that they had found scattered throughout Ed's house of horrors, those had, in fact, not been real murder victims, 
at all, but corpses that had been stolen from local cemeteries. So he says. Okay. All right. Show me the empty graves. Yeah. So police find this story really hard to believe. Um, They find it unbelievable um, that Ed, as tiny as he was, would be able to dig up anyone, much less pry open a coffin, remove their body, drag them to his car, and then come back to cover the grave back up. But Ed insisted... Make it look like it had never been touched. It had never happened, right. But Ed insisted that's exactly what happened. He's, you know, follow. he follows the local obituaries looking for middle-aged women who had recently passed. And then he'd visit the graveyard in the middle of the night and then just start digging them up. Well, according to Ed, digging... um on a freshly dug grave was easy. And also he never really had to dig the full six feet down. Right. Once he, do you do know how much work that is, right? My brothers and I used to think we were going to dig deep holes and we're like, Oh man, no, we're done. We're gonna no, go yeah, because you get like three inches and you're like, fuck this. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> you have a trowel. <laughs> That's not working. <laughs> so once he pried open the top of the coffin, he was in business. Sometimes he'd carry the whole corpse away with him. On other occasions, he'd cut the head off and leave the body behind. So it just depended on his mood, I guess. So once Ed had his goods, he'd return to his disgusting house where he'd spend some time cutting and dissecting the corpse, creating his macabre artifacts that police later found. He then would burn the rest of the body, although on a few occasions he apparently had some pangs of conscience um, and would return the mutilated remains back to their resting place. So he was like, I'm going to play with it for a little bit, and then eh, I feel kind of bad. I'm going to go put Larry's arm back in the grave. <laughs> so he's a murderer, and he's a liar. Oh, definitely. I think he was, yeah, he's a liar for sure. I mean, just come on. Yeah. Just out with it. Yeah. Have some have some dignity and some self-respect. Some, pride. some left. Yeah. Well, some officers believed him, but most of them did not. Okay, they're fired. And thought that he was the worst serial killer in Wisconsin's history. All the while, the media storm that was brewing around Ed's story was growing bigger and bigger, as it does. Um, Police had a time just trying to move him from one location to another without, like, the media losing it. Um, Officers had to be assigned to follow him around everywhere he was transported to keep away the media. Right. Ed had become famous with his picture appearing on the front of magazines like Time and Life. I know. Isn't that crazy? I guess. I mean, yeah. We've we've seen it all, though. Yeah. Oh, definitely. OJ? He was everywhere. I mean, I'm thinking about, like, just... I'm not shocked anymore when I see serial killers. Like, the one that I did did a little bit ago who had a movie, you know, remember? He was... Right. Allowed to have visitors and be interviewed for movie... It it yeah it makes no sense. We don't to need me. to glamorize it. No, I mean I'm interested in it. Oh, obviously, otherwise but, we wouldn't be sitting here. But, but don't yeah don't put somebody on time in life. Come on, I agree. Or time life or whatever it is. So at the time at the same time he we have a phenomenon going on known as gainers, and I'm just gonna say this is part this is like part of my favorite part. But um, and these are jokes making light of what. Ed Gein had died. So why did they let Ed Gein out of prison on New Year's Eve? Why? So he could dig up a date. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I got it. (laughs) What did Ed Gein say to the cop who arrested him? What? Have a heart. (laughs) And my favorite, why did they have to keep the heat on in Ed Gein's house? Why? So the furniture wouldn't get goosebumps. Oh, my God. Anyway, I had to throw that in because oh, I yeah. think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I think people were making jokes because it was so horrific. Yeah. And it's the only way people knew how to deal with this kind of thing. And, you know, we would do that shit today, too. Oh, God, If yes. there was some horrific. Like, there'd be memes everywhere. And well, I say that right, memes? Well, yeah. I mean, think about how many jokes came out of Jeffrey Dahmer's, <laughs> you know, shit. So, <laughs> yeah. well, you just, your brain doesn't know how to process it. So, let's laugh about it, I guess. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch... Police were attempting to get permission to exhume a few graves of the deceased individuals Ed claimed to have robbed. So what they they figured was they were going to take several people. So he had a whole list of people that he said he had robbed graves of. So they were just going to take a random few, 
look in the grave to see, you know, is it actually true or is he lying? So they would go and dig him up. Yep. And see if any parts were gone. And, you know, if, because he remembered, oh, hey, I took, you know, so-and-so's head. I took fingers from, you know, Mary Sue. So they were going to see how much he was telling the truth or, or if he was actually lying. So um, that would answer whether Ed Gein was a, you know, double murderer or a grave robber. Um, right. Um, or he was this prolific serial killer. So when permission was finally granted, it was decided that Miss Eleanor Adams would be the first to, to be exhumed. The placement of her grave was telling as it was right next to Augusta's, which was his mother. Oh. So it took less than an hour of digging for workers to hit the wooden box that encased the casket for Miss um, Adams. It was immediately clear to everyone that the box had been tampered with. The box had been splintered. Um, it looked like somebody had opened it. And as for the casket itself, it lay four feet below with dirt on the lid. So a worker lowered himself into the hole, flips the lid, and wouldn't you know it, there was no body. Oh, so and, he did. Yes. So, and it was so with all the other caskets, with the except, um, with the exception of those where Gein had taken the head and left the body behind. So, knowing that Ed wasn't this crazy serial killer they thought he was, you know, really didn't help, you know, I think calm people's nerves, but at least they knew he wasn't like this crazy serial killer. Yeah. Um. The people of Plainfield wanted Ed to pay for his crimes, but the question at this point was whether or not he could be prosecuted. Already, the defense counsel had stated their intentions of pursuing an insanity defense. Um, surely a man who dug up and mutilated corpses, holding their body parts as keepsakes, had to be insane. I mean, don't you think? I mean, I, I would think people were... Somebody you're was crazy. You're definitely. Um, you're somewhere on the spectrum there. <laughs> sandwich short of a picnic, right? right? And, and spectrum, I mean the crazy spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. So in light of that question, Ed was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, where tests were conducted by various experts, um, and they conducted tests to determine his competency. And it was determined that Ed was mentally incompetent. Um, quote, Mr. Gein has been suffering from a psychi um, excuse me, psychophrenic process for an underdetermined um, period of years, end quote. And so that, that was actually um, by the hospital director. Right. Um, and so uh, he pretty much assumed that he was just mentally ill. Um, and so he didn't think that he really knew the right you know, right from wrong. And he says, quote, although Mr. Gein did might have, yeah, voice knowledge of a difference between right and wrong, his ability to make such judgment will always be influenced by existent mental Ill illness. So in quote, so the, the fact that he was very, um, mentally unstable yeah. impacted the fact that he may know right from wrong, but could not I guess, judge whether or not he should or shouldn't do something, which to me doesn't make any sense. But I, you know, I, I think that it, we're still in the fifties, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, so yeah. it's too, it's, he's just, Oh, it's too, yeah. Too I, soon. Yeah. I was going to say people haven't done maybe that many tests on incompetency. Right. I don't oh, know. Yeah. And so with that well, in the seventies, it was new. Exactly. So in the fifties, right. it was extremely new. They were probably still doing bit like lobotomies and, and crap, right. sticking things up people's noses and ears. Um, and with that, you know, Ed Gein was sentenced to central state hospital for the insane. So he wasn't actually taken to jail. Of course, this is not what the people of Plainfield wanted. Right. Um, but there was nothing that could be done. Uh, Ed did adjust very well to institutional life he probably enjoyed the fact that he lived in a clean space, had hot meals, and had a warm cot at night. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, the shithole he was living in. To the people of Plainfield, it must have appeared that Ed had not only gotten away with murder, but had benefited from it. So it's that simmering resentment that likely led to how and why the Gein Farm was burned down. Um, it was in the early morning hours um, on March 
1958 that the Plainfield Volunteer Fire Department was called out to the Gein Farm where firefighters stood around and watched, you know, it basically burned down in flames. And it was too late to save anything. Um, and the land was actually um, sold later to an investor. I wonder how Ed reacted to that, knowing that, you know, he wouldn't be able to take care of his mother's things anymore. So um, funny you should say that. I didn't oh. put it in my notes, but basically he was like, well, what is, it is what it is. And, oh. and, and I think it was like, I think he expected it. He knew that the people of Plainfield hated him. Right. And he was the most hated man in America, so why wouldn't you burn down my house? So, so yeah, I think he just kind of took it in stride. Um, but meanwhile, um, Ed was doing well at the hospital and was responding very well to therapy. He did so well that in January of 1968, 10 years after his incarceration, that a court decided that he was now competent enough to stand trial for the murder of Bernice Warden. So the trial begins on November 7th, 1968. Um, sadly, Sheriff Art Shelley had dropped dead of a heart attack just a month prior um, to the trial, probably due to the stress of the Gein case, yeah. but um, he was not there. Uh, Gein himself was the main defense witness, and even though a decade had passed since the murder, he was still sticking to his story that everything had been an accident. So, I mean, at least he was, you know... Consistent. Consistent. Yeah, I was like, what's that word? Yeah, no, he was consistent, if, if anything. So the defense team waived the right for a jury trial and put his, put their faith in Judge Robert H. Golmer, who dis, he would decide whether or not Ed was guilty. Um, so you didn't have to worry about, you know, 12 people going, yeah, this motherfucker is way off his rocker. and He needs to go to jail. Um, I don't, I felt like, Maybe the defense felt like the people of the jury would not understand his mental oh, like issues. A, 12 peers would have probably sent him to death. Oh, probably before they even knew what the trial was about. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, the, the judge was in charge. Um, it was determined he was indeed guilty. But the judge believed he was still mentally unable to really determine the difference between right and wrong due, his, due to his mental illness. He was returned to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane and should remain there for an indeterminate period. The possibility of release at some later date was not ruled out, though. So Ed was pleased with the outcome and went back to the hospital where he lived the rest of his days. Ed Gein um, eventually died of respiratory failure on July 26, 1984, at the age of 78. And what kills me is that, I mean, I know it's 2022, but to me, the 80s and 90s don't seem that far yeah. away <laughs> or that far in yeah. the past. And it's probably because I don't want to admit that I'm getting old. But, right. <laughs> but, you know, he was still alive when we were in grade school, yeah. which is crazy to me. But um, by the time, um, you know, of his 78th birthday, he, he was senile. Um, and had been eaten up with cancer, um, at which point he died. Um, he was buried in an unmarked grave um, in the Plainfield Cemetery beside his beloved mother. And, and the reason they made his grave unmarked was because they did not want people going to his grave. Right. So, so he's not right next to his mother. Um, he's just close? No, I think it's right next to her. So any... Again, so we should be able to. Oh, yeah. so so you can tell somebody's there. There's just not a stone there. Yes, got it. So okay. I, I would imagine. I don't know. That's a good question. I. I mean, otherwise I you're just going to piss looked. on a grave. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I, I, I think it's probably you could probably see the sunken land yeah. next to it or something. But I mean, it's unmarked, so maybe it doesn't have well his name or something on the stone. I don't he, know. I'm disappointed in that story. I wanted him to suffer way more than that. I know, but I just need I've, you to know that. <laughs> I know, I know, because I, you were thinking he really killed all those people when he didn't. He, I mean, I'm not saying that it's okay to two grave for rob. Sure. He definitely killed two people. And grave robbing isn't murder. It isn't. It it to me it it proves that you are deranged. But he's he clearly it led up to it. Oh my God! Why do I have to deal with this old flesh? Yeah, I mean. And I 
guess you think about it, though. I mean, he had to have been a pretty strong dude. To he have, looks so tiny. I know, but to have drug a body out of a grave, cut it up, and then took some of the parts back. Yeah. He had to have been somewhat, I don't know, strong, had some strength going on. I don't <sighs> I don't know. To me, it, it, it definitely is an interesting take on a, a mental issues. And I, I mean, I don't know that I'm sure there's people that grave rob today. You know, you've gotten necrophiliacs and people like that. And it's, it's, it's not a crime that really hurts the person you're doing it to because they're dead. But I can imagine if somebody dug up, you know, a loved one and mutilated their body and put it back, I'd be pretty fucking pissed. Yeah. Yeah. I would be too. So, but anyway, I, I, I felt sorry for him in the beginning because he was, you know, as a child, he was unloved. He was, his mother loved him. Yeah. But she was deranged as well. She was nuts. She She was was crazy. So, so yeah, anyway, that's the story of Ed Gein. Very good. Minus the ending. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so sorry. Next time, can the punishment fit the, fit the crime? Absolutely. I will find one where we are, uh, you know, shooting him in the head um, or died by hanging. I'll do Saddam Hussein next. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, that's all I have. Um, I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Yes. Um, do something exciting with your lives. Get ready for this nice weather. Yeah. Well, if you're local. Yeah, if you're not local, I got nothing for you. I don't know, but let me know if there's a blizzard. Yeah, well, for yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week when we do Ed Kemper. Yes, super excited about that. Um, another infamous Ed. Yeah. Um, except smarter. Yeah, maybe. And taller. If your name is Ed. Check yourself. Check yourself. Just check yourself. <laughs> Just check yourself. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later. Bye. 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 This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.